Good morning. Morning. I guess it's almost afternoon. Yeah. Lazy Sunday. Really? Not intentional. Wasn't it? No, I mean, I had, the, I had the intention to get up and get my run in early, and then I looked out the window, and it was snowing, and I was like, no, no. That's not for me today. I'm going to just take an easy Sunday morning and run later for future Alex. <laughs> That's for future Alex. That's future good. Alex is going to hate <laughs> present Alex. She really is. She's going to be pissed. She is. She's going to be like, you dumbass. <laughs> Look at what you've done to us. Look at the situation. It's 5 p.m. and I have to go run. Yeah. Oh, well, that's for future Alex. <laughs> Anyways, episode. No skin off my back. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it literally skin off your back just later? I don't like to think of it like that. I change as a human being throughout the day, so I'll be com- a completely different person later. Is this what like living in the present means? Yeah. It's very unlike me to procrastinate. Yeah. But I just am tired. Was, I know. You're puffy. Yeah. You have a puffy face. My eyes are watering a little too, so. Yes. But that's okay. Um, we're here. We're doing it. It's episode 62, which is amazing when you think we've done 62 episodes. What on earth? Do we have to talk about for 62 episodes worth of podcasting? Interestingly enough, like when you started this podcast, I was thinking to myself, what, who are we to start a podcast? That's an amazing, we're going to get into that on this episode, mm-hmm. but I know what you mean. And look at us go now, 62 plus hours of talking later. And we have a like specific podcasting Millions couch, of listeners. Tons of money and sponsorships. It's really blown up. Truly. So thank you, listeners, for listening, being one of the millions. I hope you all know we don't actually have a million listeners. Or do we? I don't actually know how many listeners we have. It seems like we have a fair amount. Yeah. Yep. Anywho, we were a part of history last night. We were driving home from dinner. And I kind of saw, I was in the, I was, I was in the passenger seat and i was like what the hell it was like a a tractor trailer truck no trailer but had these like big flags on it i'm like what the hell is that and i looked back and there was like another tractor trailer and then another one behind that and another one i was like oh shit (laughs) and then like just regular old pickup trucks with flags yeah like flags there was like a nissan maxima with its four ways on with like window flags there were people who were like you know i i don't I don't have a truck, like a tractor trailer, but I do have an RV. My family has an RV. I'm going to tow the RV. But they also need the RV to sleep in. Maybe. When they make their stops. Doesn't it make a statement? Yeah. I mean, it looks bigger. It's slower. Takes up space. Uses way more gas. Just like the person inside of it. Just full of hot air. We drove fast one and it was a, it was, it was a guy in a truck pulling an RV and he had in the back of his truck, like kind of facing forward towards the front of the vehicle had just like stacks of air horns. You are literally the worst person on earth. That's the guy who's been in Ottawa for however long people awake. Just like I saw that it cost, uh, the protest cost the city of Ottawa, Ottawa $38 million. That's the total cost of like policing and, uh, whatever else goes into managing 
that kind of like debacle. when I think of a protest and I don't want I don't like getting too political, especially on our business platform. But when I think of like the Black Lives Matter protest, that to me, it was like that showing, you know, unification and like fighting for something that's like everyone there kind of knows what they're fighting for. Whereas this freedom, like truck convoy, I don't, I think a lot of these people, they didn't even know exactly what, like they were, they were fighting against vaccine mandates at the beginning, but then it came to fruition that a lot of them had been vaccinated. So none of that really aligned with, and then it just kind of became a fight for freedom. And then it became just people who wanted to like vandalize things and then it was also a place for like white supremacists to just like be themselves. I think the whole like freedom <laughs> thing's a bit of a dog whistle for like white supremacist groups. At least that's the way it's been in the US for over a year now. What's insane too is that this is still going on when what's when like the Russia Ukraine thing is happening. Oh, that's it just makes, like it makes <laughs> what's going on here just so much more unbelievably ridiculous you'd think freedom you (laughs) are fighting for freedom you are driving through calgary alberta in your big ass tractor trailer slash rv that probably costs like a million dollars i don't think they cost a million dollars some of them do okay not that one no (laughs) but anyways yeah like talk about but that's free like you're free you are free to drive across the country and honk your horn and keep people awake and suffer no repercussions from doing that at all. And you don't even know what you're protesting for. Meanwhile, people in Russia who are, are protesting the invasion of Ukraine in a communist state are getting arrested, put in a bus, and hauled off to, like, God knows where. Yeah. That's, like, that's what protest looks like in a country where you don't have freedom. Um, and the... Yeah, you'd think that, like, when that happened, there would be some level of awareness in that group that's like, uh, you know what? Maybe it's time to pack it in. But no. Well, that's, I think that's what they were doing. Maybe they were heading back home because they were headed west. But at the same time that the convoy was still a thing, they were still convoying, like, you know, they had their freedom fighters on, which were their, their four ways. Yeah. I, so we were driving and so I positioned myself in the convoy to make, to see what it would feel like to fight for something I truly believe in, which is, which is freedom. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, is I knew that I already had freedom. I was just fighting for it. I would say, like yes, we have freedom. I'm stoked. Yeah. I was really just celebrating the fact so that I have so much freedom. So glad that you guys are excited like I am that we live in this So country. I turned my four ways on. You were excited. I was excited. And then I honked. And that was pretty exciting. It was exhilarating. I honked once. Yeah, we woke someone up to tell them about <laughs> all the freedom that we have. And then we exited off into our neighborhood. And yeah. that was that. Yeah. But it was, it, it was a, a moment for us. I guess... Um, I don't know if maybe they're going home because the there a lot of the assets have been frozen. Yeah. Like their, their bank accounts and or they don't have any money to pay for gas anymore. Well, that's there's a really funny headline that's talking about uh I guess they ended up only freezing 10 accounts with the with whatever the credit union was. 10 accounts valued at under half a million dollars. I'm like, you guys are broke. <laughs> 
you know? Yeah. Um, and then you got to, cause you put this on your story and then you got a DM from someone. Hilarious. Yeah. I, cause there was four stories and the first one was just like, we're in the freedom convoy with like an eagle and a Canadian flag. And someone DM and they're like, I didn't think you were the type. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. Sarcasm is apparently lost on people in the, on the internet. I hope that he, uh, figured it out the further along he went in the series of stories. <laughs> so funny. Oh man. I'll be ready. I'm ready for that to be over. And I guess in Calgary, they, I don't know if the, the protest, the like weekly protest that's been going on downtown. Did that happen yesterday? I don't know. Oh, people are so annoying. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I also put up a story yesterday regarding, and we're not going to get into this in great detail, but I just think it's an interesting topic. Uh, Leah Thomas, who's the, uh, pen swimmer, the trans swimmer. And what like kind of ticked me off about that is like, I can understand, um, maybe as an athlete or someone who's just been in sports, you see that and you're like, does she have an advantage? And like, that should like, it's okay to give that thought and ask yourself, is this fair? Is she's, the system she's fe- a trans female? Mm-hmm. So, so biologically male. Mm-hmm. And, um, and did quite well at like NCAAs and has been doing well, but not like the way that the media and like people who, who are vehemently against her participation would portray her is is by saying she's just dominating the sport which she's not really like if you have to if you look at her results and you look at um how she's doing like yeah she's good uh she hasn't she hasn't beat katie ledecky's record i don't even know that she's close you know misty franklin still stands people will say like well she's gonna beat him she's gonna beat him and therefore it's not fair but she hasn't yet um and then the you know, they say, well, look at her rank as a male. Cause the thing that's interesting about her is there's data on, so she swam her first year or maybe two, um, as a, like on the men's team and then transitioned. And like it, her transition partially happened, like it was during COVID. So the whole thing was extended by a year. So NCAA rules say you have to be on hormone therapy and hormones have to be within a certain window for a year. Hers was actually two years because the season was pushed off. Um, and so anyways, there, but there's there's data on when she was um, swimming on the men's team and people are like, well, she was, you know, 242nd in the country and now she's top 10 or something. I don't know the exact numbers, but they're drastic. They're very different. So they say, therefore... Like she was not competitive as a male swimmer and now she's super competitive as female. Um, but also people just get better like across four years in university. And I'm not saying like, I'm not using this to say she should, this is 100% okay. I'm just, the facts are what they are. Like Katie Ledecky went from, yeah, around the same, like 250th in the country, 240 something in that range up to top 10 within two or three years. So that type of improvement is pretty normal, especially in a sport like swimming. Um, so I don't think that that's, I don't think that's valid evidence. I think that just gets thrown out. It's not really relevant to the argument. 
Um, <clears throat> and then the, so I, I read, I posted a, a New Yorker article, which I thought was quite good. And it sort of talked about some of the history of trans inclusion in sports. And even back like 40 years ago, there was a trans female athlete competing on the women's tennis tour, which I didn't know that. That that seems like a really long time ago for that type of thing to have happened. And so there's quite a history of it. The regulations behind it have changed a few times, both with the IOC and then NCAA, which tends to mirror... IOC regulations across the board, but then on top of that, you have USA Swimming, who um, is the governing body for the U.S. Olympic contingency. And so, anyways, they ended up changing their rules this year, but they weren't adopted by the NCAA. Um, and the I talked to one of my friends who's a NCAA swim coach. And she said it was one of the most frustrating and disheartening things to be at that meet. Um, because ap- apparently there are a lot of NCAA swimmers who support Leah and they support that she should be allowed to swim. And she said there were so many protest- protesters outside of the pool, um, outside of the meet, just being really like gross and rude. And there was more security than there's ever been at a national meet like that. And I think like the most you know, whether you, you agree with, um, this NCAA rule, because Leah is within the rules as they are written right now. Um, you know, whether you agree with that or not, I don't think that it's okay to treat someone as like less than human and disrespect them and and not give them the dignity that they deserve and, you know, misgender them, call them he, she, use use terms like dude strength like you know there was someone who posted on instagram and i won't like give her name but she's has a lot of followers in the crossfit space and she said something like that she's like i would be you know he called her a he she said i you know i would be upset if i was losing to dude strength and just being really ugly and you know then went on to post some responses that she got uh from dms and i i was one to dm her and say i got it i can respect it this is bringing feelings up, but you should def, you should still use the proper pronouns and not be like, it doesn't give you an excuse to be a dick. And, um, you know, she's like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm learning a lot. I was posting stories about, you know, it's so great to be educated. And I'm like, well, I don't know that like I would rely on Instagram for education that just makes you look really silly. But what I, I think is, I think you can start conversations on Instagram. I'm sure you had some conversations after you posted. Yeah, I just, I I don't think there's a, there's a a careful way of going about it. And I think like stating your opinion in such a um, insensitive way can, can be, you know, it's just not the way to do it. And like, I've read a couple or like opinions on Instagram. Um, They kind of state at the beginning, like first off, like as sad as this is to say, I am, I am a supporter of trans people. Like mm-hmm. I have nothing against them at the same time. From what I know, I don't think that this is fair f- in sport and that's their opinion. And like, even after that, it's like, well now my, they, they said like, oh yeah, now my DMS are blowing up. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, there's going to be differing opinions, but I do think like you can have an opinion on the situation. I don't think it is really fair to have an opinion on the person who is well within the rules. 
yeah like regardless and of, then also yeah treat them as like not human yeah like the proper way to start a conversation if that's actually your interest is by is not by misgendering someone mm-hmm. and like being an asshole and you know or excuse oh i didn't know i didn't know i'm like no you you knew you but, just made the wrong decision but i think like and this is i the, don't know maybe she will learn and i'm sure a lot of people hopefully will but yeah. then there will there are ignorant people out there who won't and that's fine it's like difficult it's i don't think that anyone coming like walking in off the street should feel comfortable forming an an opinion right like right away i don't even have a well-formed opinion a lot of people ask what's your opinion and i said to be honest like i don't i don't know i don't i have a lot of empathy for this person who uh i don't think and this is the part that people i think get twisted on is i assure you that this is not a decision that leah would make if like she it was not ne- like necessary to her well-being and quality of life like this is this is she has she has chosen a very difficult road to walk down it has nothing at all to do with i want to be more competitive in swimming and that's what i think people think that i think they think like oh well he wasn't competitive you know she wasn't competitive as um on the men's team so why not transition over to the women's team i'm like that is not what is going on here it's a person who you know, their entire life has probably struggled with their gender identity, but also is an athlete. And so she's in this horrible situation now where, yes, she gets to live as, you know, a female and live her authentic self in that way, but she can't be an athlete. There's no avenue for her to compete in the sport that she's done for her entire life. Like I have a a ton of empathy for how difficult that would be because you don't want to make a decision, you know, to transition and say, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to live as my authentic self and as the person who I know I am and I am okay with giving up my sport. That's a, that would be an incredibly difficult decision to make. And so I think that what this is going to do, or I guess, you know, what I hope it does is just shed light on, you know, is it a, is it a very common occurrence? Probably not. Is it going to be common enough that it needs to be considered from a policy standpoint? And there needs to be a bit more consideration put into it. Yeah, I think so. I think that what we're certain of often is not necessarily a certainty. And so I think back to like women, the people were certain like 50 years ago, 60 years ago, that women should not run full marathons. People were certain that it was going to affect the reproductive health of females. That was a 100% certainty. Nope, not going to happen. And like you've seen the images uh, I don't remember her name, but the woman who jumped into the Boston Marathon and they were trying to pull her off the course. That was a certainty. And guess what? Look at us go. Look at us go. I'm and running Boston next next month. Exactly. And this is different. I know it's not a, at least in swimming, it's not a safety concern. I know other sports that are more contacted is a safety concern. But what the point of that story is to say that often what we are so certain of when looked at through a different lens or with more information becomes less of a certainty. And so I just hope that people who feel very strongly are at least willing to explore different schools of thought while we work through what the future needs to look like for trans athletes. And that's what I have to say on that. My gut, like I look at, um, I agree with everything. When I see, like when I saw the photo of her standing on the podium, I was taken aback by her size Mm -hmm. and thinking, I don't know that much about swimming to be 
to be honest. But um, I think, you know, how, how is that fair? And I, I also know a little bit about like PEDs in sport. And I know that there's some science behind the fact that taking PEDs for a period of time can have a positive impact on performance for a long time into the future, even once off of those PEDs. Like, yeah. um, it's no different than like, you know, if you trained for five years, like really, really intensely in whatever sport, like even if it was just like functional fitness and then you go against somebody two years after you stop training, who's completely has never trained. Those five years are going to have an impact. Yeah. It's like you become untrained, but you still have that advantage advantage and it's no different like going through puberty as a male biological male and having those hormones for a period of time and training with that hormonal status you know like again I don't know enough about the exact science I trust that the people who are setting policy are probably doing their research enough to be able to make the right call and also be as in, like I think there is probably a desire to be as inclusive as possible in sport because that's what's you know great about sport i mean the olympics too it's it's not just you know female and male now it's like you know people of of all types of backgrounds from all different countries and trans is is no different in a way like it's just it's totally new not totally but somewhat new in the you know history of sport yeah so well, I think that's it's, my take, but at the same time, I also acknowledge that I don't have enough information to to blatantly state this is completely unfair. M like my intuition is that, yeah, but I I don't know enough to state it like with certainty. The interesting, like the uh, the irony in my opinion is that the IOC historically, and I, I use the IOC as the main example because they sort of set the standard to which everyone else like looks to. The IOC is historically not treated women's sports particularly well like they're kind of just sort of the afterthought until something like this happens until mm -hmm. regulations need to be put in place and you can look at like uh caster semenya is another really good example yeah. of they're like well this is abnormal so it must be regulated when they don't look at men like that there's no ceiling for testosterone really as long as you can demonstrate like with your biological passport, oh, this is normal for this guy. But as soon as, and Castor is a different situation because she was born um, with a genetic predisposition to produce more testosterone. And that obviously gives her a strength and power advantage. But she wasn't uh, obviously like not winning everything, but it's, it brings this argument in like, where does, where do you put the line? Like, is it, do we put the line for hormonal advantage? How about an athlete with like, abnormally long tibias or you know uh abnormally large lung capacity like michael phelps who's dem like demonstrated that his lung capacity is a percentage higher than what's normal like those athletes have a distinct advantage because of genetic anomalies that are like intrinsic to them and yet when it's a hormonal advantage now we have an issue with it it's tough like even when you say like combat sports like it right now not allowed right highly heavily regulated because because of the dangerous uh, danger aspect to me i'm like well that's an argument to i think it's it's more the like i don't i don't actually know about combat sports i'm sure there's something but even so rugby is a really good example where they've 
they've adopted a very strict policy on it. And it's not necessarily a like strength, it's size. Mm-hmm. So you say like, you know, trans athletes well, tend size to be is larger. An advantage. Yeah. So it's just sports. potentially poses a risk. But then you look at hockey. So women's hockey, who they straight up changed their the name of that league. It doesn't even have the name, the term like women or female or any kind of gender identifying like term. And also they got rid of the hormone replacement stipulation. So you don't even have to have hormone replacement to play in the hockey league, which I think is a really interesting because of the, obviously it's a very high contact sport as well. So I think that what we're going to see is you are going to see some sport and league specific regulation come up. You're going to say, you're going to see really like progressive and inclusive regulation. And then you're going to see exclusive regulation and it's going to depend on the sport. It's going to depend on who's in charge of it. It's going to come down to in the U S at least is, is going to start to come down to like state legislation. It already has, um, like there are some States that are banning, um, trans athletes from competing from like K 12 all the way through collegiate. Like that, there's that legislation trying like going, going, going through state Senate. Um, and like, it's hard for me to not look at this with the backdrop of the other laws that are getting passed in, in states like Florida and Texas that are just stripping trans people and LGBTQ people of fundamental rights. And so it's, you know, to me, it, the, the historical context is quite significant in this case. Yeah. Or at this period of time. Yeah, this one is a tricky one. It's really tough. But I think regardless of your opinion and everyone is entitled to their opinion. But I do think I think I think what is what we recommend is is just trying to be respectful of the human element. Yeah. When you form your opinions even if it is like no trans athletes in sport, okay. Why? But also like when you do refer to Leah, you know, use her her chosen pronoun and and that sort of thing. I think that's at the very least yeah minimum mm-hmm. show some respect for the person who is at this point playing by the rules mm-hmm. um okay so we're gonna are you good to pivot pivot we're gonna it, pivot. we're gonna pivot it's still on the the topic of identity but in a completely different way oh i didn't even put that together yeah, yeah. it's yeah i mean it's it's somewhat quite unrelated so um today we wanted to talk about um you know, we talk a lot about goals and values and boundaries, but I don't think we've necessarily had a whole podcast on identity and like imposter syndrome and that sort of thing. We have a lot of conversations with clients who have goals, but maybe don't necessarily like identify as the person who, I guess to put it like, I want to be, I, I want to run, but they don't identify as a runner is one example or like, you know, you want to change your behavior, but you don't identify as an athlete. And there's a lot of like factors and just points of conversation within that. So we wanted to discuss and, and our, like this kind of came about with our own personal experience lately on identity and that sort of like little struggles and things. Yeah. Well, a lot of our topics come from conversations with clients and this one's no different. Yeah. And it's just, it's something that I've heard a few times. I heard it articulated particularly well a couple of weeks ago from a client and, um, you know, what, what she said, she's very much, uh, and she'll, she'll say this, like she's very much a work in progress. 
And she said to me, you know, I have some, um, anxiety sometimes when I go into the gym, people know I have a nutrition coach, but I don't look like someone who should like has a nutrition coach. And then, you know, also people at my work know that I go to CrossFit, but I don't look like someone who goes to CrossFit. And she's like, I struggle with that because I know that for a long time, you know, we don't necessarily wear our efforts. Like you don't, you don't get to see the results of effort for a pretty long period of time, especially if you're starting at, you know, very beginner level. Um, and she said, sometimes it makes me feel like I should just quit, but it's, she's, she's a pretty self-aware person. She's like, then I realized that's just, that's my, I'm projecting that like my insecurity onto other people who, you know, maybe they think that, but you know, probably also not. So I thought that was really an interesting angle to, cause I think that's, I think that people get really, um, embarrassed and fearful of failure or, or concerned with what other people think. And that, that stops a lot of people from even pursuing a goal or putting in full effort into something because they worry about what other people will think if, you know, it doesn't work out or if they don't, you know, look the way that they think they should look doing the exercise program that they're doing. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and what's crazy is, and you hear this a lot, like, oh, I, I'm going to, I want to do CrossFit, but I, I need to get in good shape first. Or most people who hire nutrition coaches, like it's because they need help with their nutrition. Like we, yeah, we get some people, some like high level athletes who have most of their nutrition dialed in and just need some like extra help. But those aren't the majority of people who actually need like help from a nutrition coach or a nutritionist or Mm -hmm. a dietitian. Like people like that are the ones who look like they need help, to be frank. And it does suck when someone's almost like feels like they can't identify as somebody who takes care of themselves because they don't look it right from the start. Yes. And I think there is like you wrote a post on how you know, you don't necessarily have to know what you want to do or know what you want to be before setting a practice, like having a practice, a daily practice. Yeah. So like, you don't have to say like, oh, I want to be an elite athlete. And then before the practice begins, like you can just be like, I really enjoy training or, you know, I like running or whatever. And you do that on a daily basis or your example of like writing, like I like writing every day. Do you have to say that you're a writer and write for a publication before you identify as a writer no you can just start writing and practicing that on a daily basis yeah I think that there is power in in self-talk and we always say with with somebody who's at least trying to change the way that they approach their nutrition is going into it and saying like um I can't have I can't I can't drink or I can't eat that you still in that way identify as a person who wants to eat that but can't or is, is restricting themselves for some way. Whereas like the, the power of identity and self-talk is like you go into a situation where you're like, I am the type of person who takes care of themselves. And that, that aligns with the behavior of maybe not eating, you know, a certain thing or drinking alcohol yeah, or over drinking alcohol. And so I guess my point is 
you can have a practice that might lead to an identity, but what about if you ident- I adopt that identity as you implement a practice? So another example is somebody starts running and a lot of people who aren't great at running or who are just starting probably would never say, I am a runner. They might say, I run, or I started running, or I'm you know, training for a 5K. And maybe when someone asks them, they, they're kind of embarrassed. It's like, oh, yeah, I run, but like, I'm really slow. You hear that a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm, but you know, I'm pretty pathetic. Or like, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm not even good. It's like to protect their ego. It's like it is to protect their that, that fear. It's like a ha- self-handicap. So that if somebody does see them out there, they're like, oh, yeah, she already said she's shitty. So it's no surprise <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. But like, what if you just said, like, I, I'm a runner and and that helps you get out the door a little bit easier the next day. That helps you align your nutrition. That helps you be okay with the fact that you're now hiring a coach, like adopting the identity of a runner before you become in your mind a runner. Like imagine this, like you say to somebody, uh, somebody says, you know, what do you do for exercise? And you say, I'm a runner. And they go, Oh, that's amazing. What's your 5k? And you say 30 minutes and leave it alone. Or 35, 40. Yeah. And then just like, own that because that's where you are in in your journey as a runner Mm -hmm. there's no prerequisite that you run a specific pace for a specific distance before you get to like put on the i am a runner hat that would be crazy because that bar like where do you even set that bar by a lot of runner standards you are not a runner alex because a three hour 15 15 minute marathon is not really that good by you know many standards (laughs) I mean, it is good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at it, sorry, I was kind of zoned out, and then I zoned back in when you said, "Yeah, running a three fifteen marathon isn't actually that good." I was like, "Oh, okay." Oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, I totally get it. Yeah, so it's like it's unfair because, like, who are you to even decide like what what the standard is? Because like there are people out there, and I I know that, um, and not to take this conversation over, you can go back to what you're saying, but you know those people out there who are just never satisfied. So maybe they start out, you know, they're running and they're like, well, I'm not really run. I run, but I'm not really a runner. And they run a four hour marathon and then they, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a runner. I run. And they run a 345 and a 330, 315. And no matter how fast they run in their minds, they're like, well, there's someone else out there that's faster. Therefore I'm not good enough. That's so stupid. That's such a stupid way to consider what you do with your time. Yeah. But I think, but that person is motivated in an, in another way. And that, like at the least they're getting out the door to get better. Yeah. Whereas like I'm more talking about the person who is preventing themselves from improving at a faster rate because they're afraid for many for a couple probably a couple different reasons or insecure to go all in. Yeah. Well, it's fear. It is fear-based. Like a lot of people would never hire a running coach because they're like, I'm not good. I don't, or a nutrition coach. Like, like I, I don't, don't deserve that. No, like I'm, I'll just do the couch to 5k. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but if you hired a coach or you paid for something like nutrition, like you would get way better faster, most likely. Yes. But most people wouldn't, or even like CrossFit, it's like, wow, why don't you hire a personal coach? Well, I'm not good enough. I'll just do hard work payoff pays off programming yeah which is like that's fine but at the same time like there is a lot of there's a more benefit there could be you, you could improve a lot faster you could maximize you yeah. what you can get out of your time exactly like 
yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it's, and I think this happens in careers, like with nutrition coaching as an example, you know, a lot of people, there are a lot of nutrition coaches out there or, you know, self-proclaimed nutrition coach. Like you can call yourself a coach. There's nothing like, it's not like being an engineer or a lawyer where you have a degree and you say like, I'm a lawyer, I'm an engineer, which like at this point, do you ever feel weird saying you're an engineer? <laughs> I feel weird saying I'm a lawyer because I'm like, I don't practice. Yeah. Like, what do you, what field do you work in? I'm like, (laughs) nutrition. (laughs) But it's, it's the credential that I have. It's like, you know, I don't have the ring, but I am, that's who I am. Yeah. Um, but anyways, on the nutrition, there are so many nutrition coaches out there. I think a lot of people feel weird putting themselves out as an authority on that front because they're like, Oh, who am I? I am just somebody who, was a lawyer was an engineer yeah um i feel weird being that person who you know puts stuff out there and people are expecting who like people are gonna judge me well who's that they they're just a coach for tactic nutrition like what do they know but in fact like you have a platform like people you have clients you have experience you have certain credentials own it and that will in turn make you a better nutrition coach yeah you just you go all in on like this is what i do this is why I do it. And I'm one of the best at doing it. Yeah. Instead of like, oh yeah, I, I do nutrition coaching. I do that on the side. Or like investing <laughs> in a course to make you a better nutrition coach. Yeah. Full ass, go for it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, there's like a whole argument with the coaching thing. It's, there's so many out there that I think that, that there is some, uh, when, when you say I'm a, a coach or nutrition coach, wellness coach, uh, performance coach I think a lot of people are like what the hell is that coaching is like the wild west for careers right now well influencing is also in there yes it's questionable it's new people and especially if the older generation they're like what what do you do I honestly feel sometimes when I'm like people are like well what do you do it's like when it's an older person and this is just my insecurity and I'll I'll own it I don't say I'm a nutrition coach I say I own a business or like I was a lawyer, but now I do this. It's I weird. It's like, why do I feel the need to do that? Well, I don't Who cares? Yeah. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't, it's not, it's not that I care. Sometimes I just, I don't, I know that I, they'll, I'll get questions and I don't mm-hmm. feel like explaining it. So I'll say, uh, I own a health consulting company. Yeah. And which is not people untrue. are like, Oh, okay. Cause they know what consulting is. Yeah. But if you say I own a coaching business, they're going to go, what do you coach? Oh, uh, nutrition. Wait, what? Yeah. And it's just, it's a whole conversation that like, yeah, I don't really yeah, like to get into. It's weird. But also nutrition coaching is new and it's like, there are a lot of people out there and there isn't a specific credential. So it is a, there's a question mark. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm in marketing. Actually. <laughs> if you're, if you're an influencer, I'm in marketing. That's not yeah. a lie, but it is, it is, you know, I'm not ashamed by being a nutrition coach. I'm I feel like I really have an impact on people's lives doing what I do. Yeah. And, um, but at the same time, like, it's hard to like, does that go to your identity? Yeah. Like how, how do you define yourself? Um, I think partially I define myself and I know you're asking me that question, but I'll answer it. Like I, I've, I'm a consummate professional and I like to be considered as professional in everything I do. And that probably is, why sometimes I say the word consulting instead of coaching mm-hmm. is because I know the way that people hear that word. And I know they, th- they think, Oh, okay, you're legit. You own a consulting business. Um, 
where I know deep down that I'm a professional coach and like whatever you title it doesn't make me any less effective at the job that I do. Uh, but I, I do sometimes concern myself with the way that it's the words that I say are perceived by people who don't know me personally and don't understand what I do. That's why I say that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel, I'll, yeah. And again, I'll own, own it too. I don't know how many, if I've ever said to somebody, I'm a runner or I'm, I'm a CrossFit athlete because I do feel like I have a lot of identities and I don't just, ident- I've never identified as a CrossFit athlete yeah. alone. Like I've, I've always had more going on like, Oh, I, I'm a ski racer. Well, no, like there was only one year that I only ski raced. Yeah. Like I ski raced. I wasn't, I was a ski racer, but I don't necessarily ever remember saying that specific thing. So at the same time, I was also a, like a golfer, an elite golfer. It's like, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's like, what do you say though? It's like, what do you do for exercise? And you say mixed modality. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I, I dabble. <laughs> I dabble in a number of elite <laughs> things. But that's true though. I don't think I've ever, I think I used to say I'm a swimmer. I used to say that. It's kind of like, you know, um, on the, on your Instagram profile, like, what do you put? Mine, I think, says sports person. Does it? I think I think so. you say biological. Like, you have a number of things, which I do too. Oh, in my, yeah, so okay. I just looked it up. It says Meredith Root, sports person. That's the de- designation that Instagram has given me. Uh, and then I have, yeah, science, nutrition, CrossFit Games, athletes. I think I'm going to change that to I went to the CrossFit Games once. <laughs> Owner, tactic, nutrition, writer, morning chalk up. I used to have engineer. I think I have lawyer turned nutrition coach. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's a really interesting topic. I also think, you know, and we've had clients say this too, when they, I, I maybe we've mentioned this. I'm sure we have, cause we repeat ourselves all the time, but we also have people who lose weight and their identities are changing. Oh yeah. And it's almost like, I don't know how to be someone who's not the size that I've historically been, even though like, even though they're moving in the direction of their goals, which is getting healthier, um, losing weight, there's some fear. Cause like, well, I don't know how to be that person. I've never been that person. There's mm-hmm. been years before I've been that person. And also I, it, it's difficult, I think, and I haven't experienced this personally, but I have heard this from people, coworkers, friends, family, well-meaning people will say, you look so good. Have you lost weight? You look so good, which like kind of a snotty comment to be frank. Like it's, it's, it's well intentioned, but it can be, it's like, what did, what did I look like before? Yeah. Like, did you think that I was unhealthy before? Like it, just all of these questions start coming up where it's like, I really wish that people would just stop making comments on other people's bodies and. Yeah. Or sometimes you'll, you'll get somebody who trains really hard and they'll be like, somebody call me skinny today. Yeah, like that's not. But like they were like, "Oh my god, I'm you're so lucky. You're such you're so naturally skinny." It's like, excuse me, but I've been training really hard to build these leg muscles. Yeah, you're calling my legs skinny. I think a a hilarious response if someone was in that position, like, and they had a a good head on their shoulders. If they lost a bunch of weight and someone said, "You know, you're looking really thin and like you look great," like, have you lost weight? Like, no, I got a tan though. And just like, uh, it's, it's an, it's amazing what people's, the impact people's words can have on you. For me, I'm fairly, I would say I'm fairly comfortable in my body. I think sometimes 
it attracts a little bit of extra attention like on the beach per se and I don't necessarily like that attention so I can be a little bit insecure in that way yeah um but I am proud of my body and what it can do but at the same time like when I started CrossFit I started getting pretty muscular and have always been fairly lean and I would get like, holy shit, your arms are jacked. Yeah. And for a long time, I was really self-conscious of my arms, especially when I would go out wearing like a dress or like a nicer tank top or to like a public place, like, um, like a restaurant where I'm not around my CrossFit community. Yeah. And I felt really insecure and just like self-conscious. I wouldn't say insecure, more self-conscious. And so, yeah, as much as like somebody is just, a con- like complimenting your arms it's like it can have some lingering negative impacts i think so it's just like there's it's tricky because you what's wrong with complimenting someone yeah i think that there's a way to do it without implying that their physical change is the driving force of the compliment because mm-hmm. you don't you don't say anything if someone goes the other way like oh wow you're looking really well fed these days but then like, no one says that sometimes i walk like then i'll walk into crossfit and someone's just told me i look jacked and i'm like damn right i look jacked oh yeah like look at these guns you know i'm alpha female in here today it's <laughs> weird it's just there's a lot of factors yeah for sure um, um but going back to the identity thing yeah I think it's, so I, I, I had an interesting, co- again, client conversation where most of my talking points come from. I had an interesting conversation with a client who just got a new job um, a couple weeks ago. And there's always a bit of a adjustment period to that. Um, and she said the, the new company described their typical employee uh, as a quote, insecure overachiever, which I've never heard that term used before. Like I've, I've definitely thought about this person. Um, I think we've actually talked about this concept. I think in we the have realm yeah. of nutrition. We have. Yeah. It, but then that got me thinking, um, that would, that's actually a pretty good employee to have if you're running a company like that, the person who is a hard worker, but a little bit insecure about themselves and the work that they do. And so they're always striving to do better or do more like the marathoner you were taught just discussing. Yeah. That's, that's kind of insecure overachiever. And there's definitely for sure the other side of that coin is not necessarily a good thing, but I think from a productivity standpoint, pretty good. And then I got to talking about, um, I took that concept to a different friend who just likes to talk about these things. And we started talking about the antithesis of that person, which is what I, I coined the secure underachiever. And again, we have talked about this in like the new, through the nutrition lens, the person who really is not doing a very good job, but thinks that they're doing the most and they're, you know, confident that their effort is, um, you know, the high, like, like high and good enough. And I don't know why this isn't working. I'm working really hard mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so just, they're, they're, yeah, they're the ones who are like, I should be, well, I'm doing everything right. I don't know why this isn't like, I can't think of anything else I could possibly be doing. I'm the hardest worker that has ever worked. Yeah. Donald Trump syndrome. <laughs> um, he's a, he's a secure underachiever. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So anyways, it, it made me think like the, Um, there's like this spectrum of achievement, but also an underlying spectrum of personality tendencies that go with it. So on one side you have 
insecure overachiever and then on the other side you have secure underachiever and I think that for the most part people exist maybe somewhere on that spectrum and that personality tendency is pervasive in the way that they move through life in a lot of ways and then I like I don't know where where do you think you fall on that spectrum I think that I'm from a from a academic career standpoint I'm an insecure overachiever from an athletic standpoint, I think I exist in the middle. I feel like I am a secure overachiever. Yeah. I don't know. I've always, I've always been really confident in my athletic abilities and I've always had a lot of success. But then again, and this, I've, I've definitely said this before, I am, I've never been confident enough to go all in on one sport. Hmm. Like skiing, like I was never the type, like when I got on the national development team, I was kind of like, so I just don't think I'm going to be the best in the world. So I'm going to just do this instead and like still ski, but also go to school. Is that a confidence issue you think, or an interest issue? Um, probably both. And probably just somebody who values, um, you know, security and, uh, control. Huh? Yeah. So I don't know that that's 100%. Like you're obviously very confident in that, but I think it is a, you're probably confident that you can be successful in a few different areas. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, from like a (laughs) academic standpoint, even throughout like high school and stuff, I've always been a little bit insecure, which has forced me to, I've always, I was like, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not a smart person, but I've, I've always been the type who's had to work fairly hard on my academics. Like I studied hard. I stayed on top of my curriculum. Like I had really good studying and, and like habits growing up. So I would say that, yeah, I would more fall closer to the insecure overachiever Hmm. in academics and then probably maybe in the middle from like uh, sports or like closer to this, like, I wouldn't say, I don't think, I I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to sit here and admit that I'm a secure overachiever in anything. I mean, that's, that's not the, I'm very self-aware and I hope Am I? In I know this is like I. I feel like this you is. You can for say it. I have thick skin. Assess. Do you think I'm a? I'm a secure over, underachiever in anything that I do. No, I don't think that. Because secure underachiever, that's a lazy person, and for by all by well, several I definitions. I think they're lazy. Sometimes I think they're ignorant. Okay, yeah, we'll go with ignorant or just out of touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, S- uh, non not self aware with with reality and the people around them, it's most noticeable when there are other people around them who are maybe insecure overachievers. It's like, how do you not see these people who are like overachieving, but they don't even know that they're overachieving. And then there's like, you know, this other person who's not even coming close to meeting the standards that they are setting, but they're like, nah, I'm good. I'm doing everything. Not to be like, like a person who thinks that they're superior But you know, those people, it's like you try to debate them or talk to them, but it's, they're the type of person who like, they don't know what they don't know. Yes. Like people who are conspiracy theorists. (laughs) That's like, it's like, they're so confident, but they're so wrong. It's like, they have no idea that they're wrong. Yeah. And there's no like curiosity or self criticism or like, no. self-doubt like that it's just something that just does not exist in their brain like well, they go through could life I be wrong i know and sometimes i'm like i really hope i'm not that person do you ever drive and you're like god 
that guy's such a bad driver. And you're like, well, wait, am I a bad am driver? Am I the bad driver? Was that me? And then you're like, I think I might be a bad driver. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's me. It's like, maybe I'm insecure in some ways, like not insecure, but like, could I, could, was that me? Should I be paying more attention? Like, Should I apologize? Yeah. Whereas like, there are people out there who it's like, I don't think it would cross their mind. They would ever be bad at anything. Yeah. I have known several of those people. What's crazy, and it's, you know, the the conspiracy t- theory type, you know, the Donald Trumps of the world, because he is that type. There's no, there's, it, there's a fundamental lack of not only self-awareness, but curiosity. Like, they go through life, like, looking to validate their beliefs and the fact that they are superior or good or the best like that's the evidence that they look for in life whereas when you're a more curious person and someone who's just interested in understanding and learning and actually being better it's just a much more fluid dynamic way of thinking and a way of going through life that actually does probably set you up for more success than the other way around not to bring in another theory, but it it's, I think this aligns with like the growth mindset versus fixed mindset and where you put, put the responsibility. So for instance, like if you're on a weight loss program or a nutrition program and you don't lose weight, um, do you blame the coach or the program or do you, that's a fixed mindset. Yeah. Do you, do you blame something external or the fact that, you know, you live with your husband who sabotages you or are you growth mindset where you're like, Hey, what did, what did I do? What could I be doing better? Like how, how do I take responsibility for this? Like it, what intrinsic reason reasons are there for my failure? What did like, it's on me. Yeah. Or like, is it actually what I think it is? Like, can I, am I like, can I be objective enough to at least rule these properly rule these other things out before saying like, no, it's, it's definitely, or probably this. Yeah. Because I have done, like I've actually done and looked into this, 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 and this, therefore probably this instead of not doing any of that, because frankly, you like people probably know that if they start evaluating themselves and their behaviors and their shortcomings, the issue is not going to be the program. The issue is going to be them. And so instead of doing that, because that's a hard thing to do, they say, ask the program. Even when someone who is like, who, who does this for a living says like, uh, I mean, it could be, but it would make more sense if it was one of these other things. Mm-hmm. Why don't we try to look at that first? Nope. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a, I think someone can be insecure or, or very secure and confident and fall victim to that. Um, you know, the person who's like, seems really secure and like there has a big ego, but deep down you kind of suspect that maybe they're actually insecure and they're just trying to, you mean like most narcissists, I guess. You mean like Donald Trump? Do you think Donald Trump it's deep down is insecure? No, I think, I think he he's has, actually completely just yeah, out of nutty. It. No, I, I, I definitely, you see like bullies, who, bullies. Yes. Like yeah. deep down they're super insecure, but they are coming off like big, 
egotistical because they have maniacs. to beat people up to keep from being themselves beat up yeah but that's what that's what they think yeah it's a uh, what about the insecure underachiever does that person exist yeah that's more that's somebody though. who's just not doing the right thing no <laughs> they need it's help. like they are an artist but they're trying to be a scientist yeah that's misalignment of yeah core values i think that's behavior. it they somehow got into a profession or some sport that they just shouldn't be in yeah maybe because their parents did, did it and they're just like i did i'm i have to do this because this is what my parents want me to do is that so if you'd stayed in corporate law would that be um potentially not to say that you have the capacity to truly underachieve in anything, but yeah, I, think I mean, you I, underachieve in something when you really don't want to be doing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where that would come from. What do you think I am? Where, where mm. do I fall on the spectrum? You're pretty secure in most cases. I think I don't typically struggle with a lack of confidence. No, you have a, but then again, like you, everything that you're doing now, you've been doing for quite a, a while. Yeah. So. I would say, yeah, fairly. The best is like when I call you out on something, you're like, yeah, I know. As <laughs> if like you meant to do it. Like what? I don't know. I'll be like, well, even something as simple as like driving. I'm like, you're on the wrong side of the road. You're like, yeah, I know. I'm going to fix that. <laughs> I'm fixing that. You see? Do you see that I'm fixing that? But you can't be like, oh shit, I messed up. No, I don't know. You don't do like that. admitting you messed up. Well, it's like, cause I'm capable of owning the mistake in the moment, recognizing it and then moving past it silently. <laughs> and that's the, but that doesn't give me the sense of satisfaction. I know because of being you, like, you're wrong because that's, that's how you go through. Like you have, there's like black, Alex's world is black and white. There's no, there's no gray. There's not a possibility that a, a human being who has like, like me, who's like, you know, fairly well put together and good at a lot of things. There's no situation where I'm allowed to make a mistake and then write it and not have anything said about it. You know what you like? So I'll say that was wrong or that was inappropriate or that was, um, not, she didn't do a good job or whatever. And your response is so annoying sometimes like, well, she's not a bad person. <laughs> I'm like, what? But th that's because I know what that you... a bad or good person have <laughs> anything to do with this? But you, it's because you have the capacity to take someone's mistakes and use it to like inform who they are as a person. Like, how can you possibly be like uh, a good person or smart or decent at all if you've made that mistake? And I'm sorry <laughs> that I'm, I had to point that out on the podcast, <laughs> but you do do that. It's like you make character judgments based on a th like... Okay, so let me ask you this. What do you make character judgments on then? If not their behavior? Well, yeah, re like repeated behavior mm -hmm. over time. But I think that it... Uh, no, it see, I don't, I don't come to like a hard conclusion. I say, based on what they did, I'm wondering if they're not a good fit or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I get it. Sometimes I do that. But usually I have... It's, it's justified. Yeah. I have a lot of evidence... But what you want to avoid doing is like experiencing one issue with a person and then mm -hmm. saying like, bias. I think that they are this type of person. And now what I'm going to do next is look backwards and find a bunch of instances that, that is confirm completely normal. Uh, so what I, what I'm saying is like, I can take, I can, I can assess people's behavior and their shortcomings. And I can say, this person is not good at this. I think they are not good at this. But I'm not going to use that to make 
judgments of their character or value. I'm just going to say they're not good at this. Yeah. And I'm going to avoid looking backwards. Yeah. Because then it's like, then it's really hard because now you've created this reality. I think this is a good point to end on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I'm not like, no, not, I, I get it. I get it. And that's coming it. from your partner who sometimes you get mad at and then it's easy. And this is, I'm sure that you're not the only person who does this, you know, where you're frustrated with me for one reason or the other. And then it's the whole argument or a lot of the argument can then become, um, all of these things that I didn't do in the past mm-hmm. when it's, you know, if they were really an issue, why didn't you say that they're an issue then? And like it, it's, it's flawed logic and you know that it's not though. It's really not. It's still evidence. It's like if somebody killed somebody. Okay. Okay. If, if there was a murder, a murder committed and we're trying to, we are trying to commit this person to prison. They're like, prove their guilt, prove their guilt in front of a jury. And we say there's blood, there's blood here. There was a murder committed and there is a fingerprint. Okay, we have a piece of evidence in the present moment. Can I not go back and find more evidence to prove like motive? Well, like I think, yeah, I mean, now you're a, looking at- A previous at... relationship, previous behavior. So you're trying to prove if it was premeditated. Or other things, or the fact that they just did it. Just because there's a fingerprint doesn't mean they've committed the murder. Yeah. But all of these other things before proves that they're a bad person because they committed the murder. Uh-huh. They actually did commit the murder. You're using previous evidence confirming to evidence. confirming, yeah, to confirm your statement. Uh-huh. Like you're a slob because you left your clothes on the floor. And you say, well, no, because that was just one instance. And I say, no, it's not just one instance. You also did this, 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 this in the last several years. I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> in the last, but that one year, what, one time back in 2017, I don't know if you I remember I do this. that sometimes. You didn't clean out the I still remember that time. Yep. I don't understand. Me. Why can't that evidence bolster my opinion or my statement? It can. Okay. So then I'm right and you're wrong? No, I think that it just, <laughs> it needs to be considered in the context of the, the rest of the I think you behavior. like putting like a timeline on it. It's like. You can make that argument, but you can only use evidence from the past five minutes. I think that there is a reasonable <laughs> statute of limitations as far as like household, yeah. you know, um, arguments in that statute of limitations should honestly be about a month in my, in my professional opinion as someone who is in a relationship. I think that's 30 who days. Who doesn't forget anything. I know, but when I do, you have to say, you know what? I love this person. She does a lot of other things really well. She just doesn't do laundry well. And so I'm going to leave her alone. I'm going to leave her piles of clothes alone because I know she has a system and she does. <laughs> and I'm going to focus on the things that she does well. Okay. Um, so what were we talking about identity? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't identify as someone who does laundry particularly well. But anyways... I think to, to bring this full circle, um, the whole, you know, to bring it back to, to more of the identity and less of the personality type of personality argument, you know, you see all the time people will say, well, fear, you know, fear is it, it prevents action. 
And I 100% think that's true. Um, there, I don't, we were watching a TV show. I don't, do you remember what this TV show was? It I was a documentary was. on Netflix about music. Oh yeah. The, um, the one with Dr. Dre and, um, there's this quote and it's fear is a hell of a thing. It's got a lot of firepower. Make sure it's a tailwind instead of a headwind. And I thought that was really like quite profound because that's, that's true. It's not that fear, like fear can can definitely paralyze you and paralyze decision, but it can also be a pretty damn good motivator. So, um, yeah. And then as far as the identity thing goes, like I know we've talked about this before and James Clear talks about this a lot. Um, you have to kind of adopt it and deal with the fact that it feels awkward or that the shoe doesn't necessarily fit at first, but it will eventually. It will eventually. And I like, I mean, I, I have personal experience with that. I know you do specifically with coaching and then to bring it back to the writing, ask me three years ago, if I, are you going to be a writer? Hell no. I don't like, I'm not a writer. And then I just started writing and it was kind of out of necessity for our content and then turns out I really like doing it and also I'm good at it. And so now like three years later, like writer doesn't mean that I've, I've published a book. No, doesn't mean that I write for a major publication. Not yet, but I'm setting myself up for that. And I set myself up for that. Not by saying I want to write, I want to be a writer. I set myself up for that by simply writing and then over time adopting that identity. What if you had, going back to my point, what if you had said like early on, like, hey, I'm a writer and you were like, you just, would you maybe at this point, and I, I don't want to like shut you down here, but like at this point, maybe you would have written a book by now. Oh, that's a good point. You'd be make, you'd be just rolling in the dough. I think that, you know, there is a, a, a good point there. I think had I had more time that maybe, um, you know, because you say that and then you write every single day, you mm-hmm. write like maybe more than one Instagram post. Maybe mm-hmm. you write a blog, maybe you write a couple pages of what will eventually be a book. And that's how you get there. Um, it's the repetition. Mm-hmm. Be okay with the fact that like, you're not going to be an expert at it. Doesn't mean that you're not a writer. I can still say I'm a writer. And yeah, three years later, maybe like, maybe you have a book. Maybe now that I've adopted, like solidly adopted that identity three years, I have a book. Who knows? Um, we both went through it. I think with, owning a business and being a nutrition coach that shoe didn't fit not for me not no. for a while although who am i to own my own business here yeah. who am i to manage other people really like i would never have thought that would be part of something that i did in my life yeah and now like three years later it's like oh dang this is what i do now this is kind of who i am the business owner yep this is like every day i wake up and it's like hey what needs to be done okay here's an ana- here's the analogy and I can make this analogy because it's fresh in my memory. I bought new ski boots at the beginning of this beginning of the season because my the ones that I got last year were ended up being too big. And um, you know, they fit in the store. I go out the first day and I'm like, feet, nope. Uh-uh. Nope. These things are way too tight. They don't fit. They're hurting my feet. They're hurting my toes. They're hurting my shins. Like, I don't I can't ski in these. No way. And then I just gave them time. I wore them. I wore the liners. I like, I dealt with the discomfort 
and the fact that they felt kind of terrible at first. I, I trusted the people who said they are going to feel terrible at first. That's how ski boots are. And now they fit like a glove. Great analogy. And then to my point, like Meredith adopted the identity of a skier as soon as she moved to the mountains. I mean, she went to the most expensive ski store that there was. On your recommendation. And bought everything that she wanted, regardless of the, the price tag, and continues to upgrade. Yep. Believe it or not, yep. you can continue to upgrade. The love gear. is <clears throat> great for the bank account. I love it. And you know, she sees herself as a skier. And when people ask her if she's good, she says yes. And look at her go now. I mean, did I book a $10,000 <laughs> cat skiing trip for next year? Maybe. No, you didn't. Did I? Meredith. Okay. <laughs> Discuss this offline. <laughs> um, But... Anyways, I had something else to say. Are you so disturbed now? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Did I put her name on the list? I may have. Oh, she's mad. Now you're mad. There was something I was going to say. About the gear? No, there was something else, but now I can't remember. I'm sorry. But <sighs> identity is powerful. It really is. Yep. I think it starts by... Oh, I do remember what I was going to say now. Oh, thank God. Um, I think it aligns. So I was listening to a podcast with Amy Poehler. Oh, I love her. And she is extremely successful. And I guess she told this story. She was at some awards thing and it was she was winning. It was either for her or she was going to be accepting a like large award. Don't know the details. And somebody said came up to her and said oh my goodness, like, can you believe what you've done? And she looked at him and said, yeah, I can. Can you? <laughs> yeah. I think that kind of aligns a little bit with what we're saying. It's like, if you identify as somebody who is a, like a creator or like who fits into their world and pushes themselves and create, like does new things, like sets great like marathon times or runs a marathon, it's like, you're just going to propel yourself forward when you believe in yourself Yeah, and you, you go all in and like if other people don't, who cares? Yeah. If other people judge you for having a running coach or a nutrition coach or for calling yourself like, I don't know, like a skier, who cares? Yeah. Like it's, it's about, it's you be who you are, be who you want to be. That's a good one. Be who you want to be. Yeah. And I think the way that I go through life and this, like I, I, I would say that I, I do overachieve. I'm on that side of the spectrum, but I'm also able to, to recognize like I am thriving because of my efforts, mm -hmm. because of the work that I'm putting in. And that's almost more motivating in a way. Yeah. Cause it's like, I I've done this. Like what can I do in the next five years? I think it even goes on a very, this can apply on a really small scale. So you could be an overweight person and at a, at a dinner. And I've heard this from clients. Um, you want to lose weight. You've got goals to lose weight. You're working with a nutrition coach. And you go to a dinner and you order a salad. And you are self-conscious because people are looking at you thinking, that doesn't align. And maybe even for you, it, ordering a salad is a new thing. Maybe being self, like health-conscious is, is new and doesn't necessarily align with what you've done in the past. And that can be uncomfortable, but own it. 
Again, like just own it. I, I'm I'm not saying that being uncomfortable is not uncomfortable. It is. <laughs> but like kind of being aware that it is and it's going to be. And I think almost everyone in this world probably goes through it in some way or another. Yeah. It's the only way though. If you just, if you stay in your comfort zone, like there's no growth. I know. No growth. None. I'll, one last story and then we'll sign off. And it's a Lance Armstrong story. Who I'm like always been kind of a Lance Armstrong fan. I know he's got his shit. <laughs> he does. But everybody in cycling. I know. Does. I kind of like him too. But he, so there was an interview, um, and I'm sure everybody knows he recovered from testicular cancer. And like, that was kind of a, that was back in the time where that type of cancer was quite often a death sentence. Like, it's just not something that's, and it was, it was like stage four metastasized all over his body. Um, and his treatment was long. And someone asked him, I don't remember if it was a reporter or maybe um, someone writing a book, but they asked him, um, your recovery was remarkable like you must be so thankful um you know to to god for getting you out of that situation and he was like god didn't get me out of the hospital bed i got me out of the hospital bed and you know he's he's kind of a notorious atheist um and kind of have to appreciate that (laughs) that perspective i mean whether or not you you know believe in a higher power or not that was i think pretty profound because it it probably did take quite a bit of personal effort and resilience to get to get through that for him and uh yeah that's a good story always like that story i have one last story i love stories so just another kind of analogy is that so like (laughs) ivy she kind of wants to be like a dog but she's struggling to identify as one because she's not allowed to go outside but that doesn't prevent her from like being very dog-like, following us around, barking at the animals outside, wagging her tail, waking us up in the morning with her ball, playing fetch, those sorts of things. So I think really like you can be anything that you want if you really put your mind to it. Who knows? Who knows? Should we get her a collar? (laughs) Yes. Lovely, lovely story to sign off on. I don't know. She's she's here. She wanted to be part of it. Yeah. She's I mean, maybe here. that story doesn't necessarily work, but. <laughs> if it speaks to you, it speaks to you. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if there are other cats listening, okay? <laughs> I want to, I really just want all the listeners to be valued and feel in- included. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, honestly, to be very frank, if you have made it to this point. <laughs> well done this was a i thought we made some some valuable points in there little tiny nuggets if you look closely easter eggs Mm -hmm. that's this was an easter egg episode um all right so on that note we will sign off thank you for listening as always make sure you like subscribe share and definitely 100 percent remember to cook your meat before you eat it it's very important Mm -hmm.